Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I am not Duke Hergett. <laughs> In case you were wondering, uh, our guest speaker, uh, Duke Hergett, who was going to be here uh, this Sunday and for the next two weeks, uh, it was not able to be here today for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that he's been having a really bad time with kidney stones. Hey, who in here has ever had a problem with kidney stones? Anybody? Okay, yeah. People who do, I guess it's, it's horrific, right? It's terrible. So he had a stent put in, I think sometime last week, and, and they're planning to blast the stones this week. And, and so he should be able to be here next week. He was planning to come anyway today. He said, I, I, I feel... Uh, discomfort, uncomfortable when I'm up and speaking. He says, but I feel discomfort when I'm sitting around, so I might as well come and speak. But then the addition of the snowstorm coming from Albany, he would be headed here and headed back into the teeth of the storm. And it just decided it didn't really make sense for him to try to do that today. So I get to preach, which I, I like to do. I'm excited about that. Um, so let's go to the Lord in prayer here as we begin. Father, we do come before you and ask that you would... Um, Speak to us today. As I speak, Lord, that we would hear your voice from your word. You would speak to us individually and, and personally. And Lord, I pray that we would already open our hearts to you, be ready to respond, for you're worthy of that in our lives, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, starting today and for the next two weeks, we are talking about money. Uh, talking about what the Bible says about money. And, and whenever we do that, we talk about the Bible and what it says about money, what our responsibilities are, what God gives it to us for. We're using the word stewardship. And stewardship is the idea of, of managing what belongs to somebody else. It's, 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 so if somebody entrusts you with something and they still own it, but they say, listen, I want you to manage this for me, then you do that, you try to manage it in a way that's consistent with the person who entrusted it to you. And so it is with our money. We're talking about biblical stewardship, the fact that God is the one who has entrusted us with our money, and he has purposes and plans and ways and principles, all that he wants us to, to uh, ways that he wants us to use that money. And um, so we talk about money. And you might say, well, do we really need to talk about money again? I mean, do you remember we talked about it last year, didn't we? We did. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun talking about it last year, actually. Uh, but, um, yeah, we still do need to talk about it. And the, if for no other reason we need to talk about it again is because God has talked about it again. He talks it about again and again and again and again. If we look in the Bible, we see that he talks about money in the book of Genesis he talks about money in the last book in Revelation, and he talks a lot in between. He, he gives us commands, he gives us principles, he gives us illustrations, all these things to help us understand the role that money ought to have in our lives and the role that money ought not have in our lives. And so the very fact that God brings it up again and again means that we need to think about it. And besides, when you start thinking about it, money really is intertwined with so much of our lives, so much that goes on. Uh, money is important, isn't it? It's important to people. 
Think about that. Have you ever heard the complaint? Well, the church, all they want, all they want is your money. That's right. Uh, why, why do you think they say that? Well, it's because money is very important to them, right? Their money is very important to them, and somebody's saying I ought to do something with it. Wait a minute. So rather than actually looking at that and thinking, you know, is there something I ought to do with my money? They say, no, no, you're wrong. You, you're pressuring me. You're trying to get my money. Okay, but money is very, very important to them. In fact, sometimes money is too important to people. Gets in the way. Um, but money is intertwined pretty much with every aspect of our lives in one way or another. Um, we all need money. In most cases, excuse me, sometimes you can experience these things without money at the moment. But we all need money to be able to continue having food, you know, to put on the table and to eat. We need money to have a place to live where we can be inside and out of the snow, right? And where it's nice and warm and dry. We need money to have clothing to wear, not just so that we aren't naked, but we also want to look decent, right? And, and uh, attractive. We need money for medicine and for health care things. Uh, we need money for transportation. How are we going to get someplace? Either our own car or even if you're we're using public transportation. We need money to, to do some things that we enjoy. You know, we need money if we want to go out and eat once in a while or go to a show or, or have a hobby that we pursue or take a vacation. We need money for all of these things. And so money really does intertwine with our lives in so many ways. Money is important. We need money. Now, when we're talking about biblical stewardship and then our money, what we're trying to figure out is, is what does God tell us about money? And so that's usually what we're talking about, what God tells us about money. What's he saying? How does it apply? And like I said, he's told us a lot. There's a lot to learn, a lot to put into practice. Not very complicated, but a lot of things to pay attention to. But what I want to do this morning is something a little bit different. Rather than saying, talking about what God tells us about money, I want to focus in for a little while on what money tells us about God, about our relationship with him, how we live our lives in relationship with him. What does money tell us about that? All right, so I got something I need you to help me with. Right now, I want you to go in your pocket or in your purse, and if you have any cash, any bills like this, pull it out. Now, trust me, we're not taking up another offering. I'm not going to try to get it from you. I just want you to get it out, okay, and look at it with me. Money's pretty cool, I think. I don't know about you, but, you know, if you have money in your hand, isn't that a good feeling? I'm not the only one that feels that way, am I? I mean, have you ever, ever been like buying a car or something and you went to the bank and got a whole big stack of $100 bills? That is cool, isn't it? You know, that's such a, a, a cool thing. Money is, is neat. Uh, and by the way, if, 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 that, if you don't find it cool, I'll be glad to take it from you. If you, don't, if you aren't interested in it, I'll be glad to take it. But let's look at the bills. Look at the bills. It doesn't matter which, whether you got a one or 10, 50 or whatever. By the way, did you know, if, if you happen to have a $100 bill here today, that that is the largest denominational bill they make nowadays? I think since 1969, that's the case. Okay, uh, the last $100,000 bill was in 1935, I think, 1934, yeah. Uh, they don't make those anymore. <laughs> yeah, too bad, I'd carry one around, you know. Uh, 
But anyway, you look on it, right? There's all sorts of neat things. There's always a picture of somebody on there, some person from history. There's, uh, of course, the currency. There's the seals. There's the treasurer's name and a signature. And, and you have the, um, the serial number, right? The serial number, which will, um, if, I guess you look at the serial number. If you know what you're doing, you can figure out when the bill was minted or where it was and uh, that kind of thing. Really neat. And with the new, new technology, all the different little layers and things, you know, to, to help prevent it from being counterfeited. But turn, turn the bill over and look on the back. The back is usually a lot simpler than what's on the front. There's not as many things on it. Uh, and there's two things on the back that are always the same. Not necessarily in appearance, but they're always the same. And one is the, it says the United States of America. That's always on every, the back of every bill. And the other thing that's always there is four words. In God we trust. I think that's, that's pretty amazing that right here on our money, which we tend to, if we aren't careful, trust in, it's saying, don't trust your money. Trust God. In God we trust. And so you can put your money away now. Back in a safe place. <laughs> um, this is what we want to focus in on today, this idea of trusting God. In fact, that's the message off of money, but we're going to step away from money for a while and just talk about what does it mean to trust God. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. It's page 727 in the Bible that is there in the chairs. The book of Proverbs is a book about wisdom. Uh, mostly Solomon, but some other people as well. Uh, wrote down wise sayings, things that would cause us to look at life from God's perspective, the way things really are, to give us wisdom, the book of wisdom. And in chapters one and two, lots of interesting stuff, raising the issues of wisdom, uh, the results of wisdom. And we get into chapter three, and he's really saying, man, you gotta get this, you gotta get it, you gotta live by it. And then when we start in verse five here in just a moment, he really presents to us a whole approach to life. A wise, wise approach to life. If you want to approach life and succeed, he's going to tell us how to do that here. So let's start in verse number five. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. All right, so let, let's go back and walk through this. Verse number five, let's read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let me just say, just nice, straightforward way to understand this is means you're supposed to trust God, not yourself. Trust God not yourself. Well, what does it mean to trust? You know, probably if we went around the room and said, you know, well, what does it mean to trust? Put in your own words. We'd probably come up with some really pretty good understanding of what trust is. But so I, I think the idea is, is really, it's, it's what are you depending on? You're trusting in that. How many of you this morning trusted that you would go out and start your car and it would get you here? Right? I mean, you may not even thought about it, but really that's what you did. You trusted that it would work that way. When we trust something and we have a belief about its reliability, that it can be trusted. We can depend on this. We are confident that it is true and right. We trust. 
Um, I think we all would probably have a feeling. I don't always like to play into this uh, feeling, but it is so prevalent. How many of you would say you have a hard time trusting the average politician? All right. So there are good, good people in government. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but we, we've experienced that, right? So we aren't counting on them, right? We aren't counting what them that said to be true. So trust is opposite when you would count that indeed, I trust, right? So it's kind of the opposite of, of that idea. So it says, trust in the Lord. Trust in God. And then lean not on your own understanding. We're going to talk about the lean part in just a minute. But I want you to see, that is the contrast here. Those, those are the two options. Trust God or trust your own understanding. Trust God or trust yourself and how you see things. Now let's, let's think about the logic of that. Let's think about who God is and what he's like and let's think about ourselves and what we're like. Yeah, there's probably some people in here today who are very, very smart. You're very, very intelligent. You probably know, you know a lot about things that I may have never even heard of. You're very, very intelligent. But the most intelligent person here today does not know what's going to happen later today. God does. Tomorrow. You don't know. God does. You don't know what's in other people's hearts. The people who are around you and what's, how they're responding and what they're thinking. God knows. And the reality is we don't always even know what's in our own hearts for sure, do we? Can't we fool ourselves sometimes? But see, God knows. You, you don't know what's going to happen, what's going on at your, your job, your place of employment, what's happening in the background that may determine whether you even have a job tomorrow or next week or whatever. You don't know that. God knows it. I mean, we could go on and on with this list, couldn't we? I mean, doesn't it just make sense to trust God instead of yourself? Trust the one who knows it all, sees it all, understands it all, is able to do something about it all? It makes sense to trust in him rather than in yourself. And so he says here, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And so the idea of leaning is, well, you know, we're kind of contrasting the trust, but it's to, when you lean on something, you're what? You're putting your weight on it and you're hoping, thinking that it will hold you up, right? And then the more you lean into it, you start to find out. How many of you are worried that I'm going to hit the floor in a minute? How many of you are hoping? But see, this is the way it is. We trust in ourselves. We think, you know, we can lean on that, but it's not nearly as sturdy as we might think. You know, instead, we, if we're going to lean on us, we should lean on like that brick wall, right? Something that's going to hold us up. And, and this is the way God is. And we lean on our own understanding. Who knows when it gives way? And it will give way way before God gives way. And God isn't going to give way. So we lean and depend on God. He is unchanging. His word is true today and tomorrow. And, and for all eternity, we can always lean on him. And so this is our choice in life. Trust God, not yourself. But now you wouldn't trust yourself, would you? Now think about that. I would say to you that we tend to trust ourselves all the time. It takes a conscious choice not to trust yourself. 
You have to be consciously thinking about it and making decisions to say, wait a minute, no, 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 not that way. God's way and what God says. And that's what the next verse talks to us about. So let's take a look at it. Verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And this, in all your ways, acknowledge him. The word acknowledge, um, it's used in different ways, but this, this, this AC, there's the letters AC in front of knowledge, and AC is a prefix. And one of the meanings of this prefix is in addition, okay? And so we're gonna take this knowledge we have about God, we have decisions to make in life, we have decisions we have to you know, look at and, and consider and then make decisions. And he's saying, when we're making that decision, let's, let's add to that decision what we know about God. Let's add to that decision what we know that God says. Let's add to this decision God's wisdom about things. Now, that won't happen by accident. Now, there is a sense in which we can learn and grow and we, our thoughts begin to match the Lord's that we don't have to agonize over because sometimes we already know what God says and we can just bring that to bear. But the idea is that it's, it's, we have to on purpose make decisions that every time, you know, I'm trying to decide, okay, so I have, uh, let's say, do I, uh, my marriage relationship or a family relationship, let's say it's really, really lousy. It's just bad. You know, and I got decisions to make there. How am I gonna make those decisions? Well, we have natural ways of feeling about those things, don't we? And we have all our life experiences told us things about that. And so we got a choice to make, right? Are we gonna lean on that? Or are we gonna stop and say, no, wait a minute, I need to acknowledge God. I need to bring him into the mix and let his word and principles and truth apply here to make this decision. You know, maybe it's your work situation and you think, wow, I have a new opportunity, a job opportunity. Should I leave this job and take that job? You know, or not? Or maybe should I make a career change? Uh, here's one that, you know, I really, I shouldn't tell you, but you know, I don't want you to think about this in the wintertime in New England. And you're thinking, wait, should I stay in New England or should I move to Florida? Okay? But the idea is that if you have that kind of decision, you need to do what? Add what you know about God into that decision. What he says in his word. Um, so in acknowledging, that is a very purposeful thing. And so he says, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, I will do what? What does it say there in the passage? I will direct your paths. So let's say it this way. Live God's way and he'll direct your life. Live God's way and he'll direct your life. And so the idea is that everything that's come in my life, I'm trying to acknowledge him. I'm, I'm sincerely trying to apply what I know God says about this. And, and obviously this, this does imply that we, we do what? We, we search the word, we, we grow in our knowledge of what God says about how things work. So we can do this. We get counsel from you know, uh, good mature Christians to make these decisions. But so we come to this decision and we make the best decision we know how. Can we be mistaken? Can we be doing our best to acknowledge God in all our ways and still be mistaken? You guys say, what's he trying to, is he tricking us? No, we can make mistakes. 
But if I am sincerely doing my best to acknowledge him in all my ways, God has made a promise. And what's he say? I will direct your path. I will point you in the right direction. I will get you going in the right direction. I know where you need to go better than you know. I will get you there. If you will trust me and not yourself and acknowledge me in all your ways, I will direct you in life. I will get you there. Even if I make a mistake, yeah, I'll get you there. And I'll teach you about the mistake. And so the idea is, let's say that over there in that corner, you know, it's where I need to be going. And I'm doing my best knowledge of my ways and, and I make decision and as a result, I go that way. God says, no big deal, let's learn some things. And he works with me, and down the line he bumps me here, and I end up going that way. And then he bumps me here, and who knows, maybe I go too far this way. But he works in my life, and he keeps directing me. I can't miss the destination. If, 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 if I am not trusting myself but God, and I'm all my ways acknowledging him. Isn't this good news? You know, back in my early years of being the senior pastor here, uh, for, it was a really big deal to me because all of a sudden I'm facing where I have to make decisions that affect a lot of people, not just me anymore. And I'm making these decisions and, and I need to make decisions, but I can't think, well, but what if? What, what if I'm not getting this exactly right? What if, if, or if I do this and this happens or something happens? And, and I found myself really kind of paralyzed by this whole thing and not making decisions that needed to be made and finally sometimes being forced to make a decision, you know, in the moment when I, because I had put it off. And this is bad news. So God worked in my life and got me to see the truth of what we're looking at here today. God said, no, no, just... There's a decision to make. Do your best, acknowledge me. What does God say about this? What does, what's the truth from God's word? What's the principle that applies here? You know, and then make the decision. Make the decision and I will direct you. And I'll get you to where you go. Even if I make some mistakes along the way. Isn't that good news? And that really plays into something we're gonna see in just a little bit. So, so let's, Think about this, these two things. Trust God, not yourself, and live God's way, and he'll direct your life. Go ahead and put those both up there if you would. Yeah, thank you. Trust God, not yourself, live God's way, and he'll direct your life. So let's continue here. Verse seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Well, what does that mean? Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's really another way of saying, don't trust yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. When you're being wise in your own, own eyes, you're thinking, I've got this, I know. I don't need to do that. In fact, I kind of have a better, yeah. Well, if the Bible really says I'm supposed to do that, I don't know if it really says, I think I'm gonna do this, because I, I really don't wanna do that. Or we're being wise in our own eyes and somehow rather thinking it's going to work out right. Who's wiser, you or God? Who's wiser, me or God? I mean, right, that's what you wanna think. And that's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? So don't be wise in your own eyes. Say, wait a minute, is this continually confronting yourself? Because we all have our natural way of looking at things. We all have our natural ways of responding to things. And they aren't necessarily evil, but they aren't God's ways. 
there are our own ways and our own ways we got to turn away from and turn to his. And that's really what it says the next phrase, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So what's it mean to fear the Lord? That shows up off and on through the whole Bible. I mean, we think about God and and, um, we think about him loving us and him providing a savior for us and him caring for us and providing the things we need. We think all that and we don't think of being afraid of God. And there is a sense in which we don't need to be afraid of God because he has made a way, hasn't he? Through Jesus, he's accepted us and we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find, boldly, walk into God's presence, boldly. All right, so we don't have to be afraid like that and yet this phrase is still throughout the Bible. What's it mean for us? Well, I want you to think just a moment right now. See if you can imagine. Who, are the, who is the person or the people in your life who have the power, the most power to make your life miserable right now? Maybe it's a boss. An employer. Maybe it's a spouse, right? Or a family member. Maybe it's, I don't know, but somebody. You think about who that person is. And because that person has that power, you pay attention to what they're thinking, don't you? You kind of stay on the alert, you know? You're, and you're keeping, if it's a family member, you're doing this and you keep kind of looking to see how they, how they handle this and responding, right? You see what I'm saying? But I'm saying, we need to take God more seriously than that person. Because we ought to be concerned, what is God thinking about this? How does this line up with what God wants? Does this match who God is and what is, see, see what I mean? We're thinking about this, you know, God matters to us more than anybody or anything. We fear him, that's what it means, to put him in that place. And here's the deal, when you start thinking about him being the most important and that he knows what's going on, he observes what's going on, he evaluates what's going on, and, and you start to care about that, you will depart from evil. Those two things go together. Because you say, ah, this doesn't belong in my life, I know. And my focus is on the Lord first and foremost before anything else it starts to become pretty clear what needs to go out of my life. All right, so when we get this, okay, we're not trusting ourselves, we're trusting God, we're trying to acknowledge him. He, we're taking him very seriously. He's the most important uh, to us in our lives. Verse eight, what'll happen? It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Well, what are we talking about here? Well, what's kind of cool is if you... In the Hebrew language, and if, you have, if you're using the, the um, King James Version here today, it says it will be health to your navel. So if you get this right, you'll have a healthy navel. Are you excited about that? Well, the, in the, the Hebrew culture, this, this is, you know, it's just poetry and imagery and stuff they're using. The idea of the navel is the center of your being. Okay, and this is where your life originally came from, right? The sin of your being, and then they tied it up and hold you all together. But so it's really talking about the center of your life, that whole, your whole life will be healthy. But there is a physical component to this, because it talks about what's your health to your flesh, strength to your bones. You know, one of the biggest health problems, one of the things that causes problems. We have, we have diet, we have 
uh, the things that we're exposed to, not sleeping properly, a lack of exercise, all these things. But there's one component that is almost always there today, and this is this underlying stress. It just stays there and stays there and bumps up against you and bumps up against you. And it is related to problem after problem after problem that people have. Sometimes it's not the cause of the problem, but when the problem comes, it's an irritant of the problem. And so stress is there. Now, see, God designed us to experience stress, but it's like this. If, if you head home today and you get out of your car, and this probably won't happen here in, in central Massachusetts in Greater Worcester, but let's say you got out of your car and you, you start to head for your front door and you see there's a lion over there that's licking its lips looking at you. What would happen? Would you feel some stress? Okay, you would. Boom, stress, adrenaline hit, and you would take off running. You would run into the front door faster than you've ever run in your entire life. See, because the stress has come to your life and it has hit you hard and you've, you've responded. That's the way we're supposed to stress. And then you get inside the house and you go, <laughs> right? And you kind of calm down and maybe call the police or whatever. And, but eventually, within an hour or two, you'd probably be relaxed again. That doesn't hurt us. But when there's stress, it just keeps going and never lets go, never lets go, and never lets go. And here's the thing. You trust in yourself instead of God? Stress. You don't acknowledge him in all your ways, and so you aren't sure if you're going in the right direction. You're wondering, am I making the right decisions? Is it stress. You're not making God the most important in your life. You're doing your own thing. Stress. You see that? And he says, no, if, if you'll go the other way, he will bring health to you. It will actually help your health. But I think it's, it's more than that. I still think there's an imagery here for us and this idea of health to your flesh, meaning that your, your whole life is going to be better, it's going to be healthier. And then he talks about strength to your bones. If what do your bones do in your body? Your bones are what? Holds everything up. If, if, if all of a sudden I didn't have any bones, I'd be a blob on the floor, right? So it's what holds everything up and keeps it working like it. Well, once again, we will experience the Lord like that, those healthy bones in our lives. He's gonna hold everything up and keep it together and move in the right direction and doing the right things. So trusting in God, not in ourselves, living God's way and then seeing how he directs our lives. Um, not doing it the other way. It sounds good. Does it work in real life? I mean, real life doesn't always seem to fit very well in a Sunday morning worship service, does it? Well, let's think about this. Let's just assume a situation where you are in a relationship, a significant relationship. Um, it could be a husband-wife relationship, it could be a parent-child relationship, a brother-sister relationship, or, or maybe even just a really, really good and close friend. And as you look at this relationship and where it's at, it is terrible. It is not a blessing to you or the other person now at all. It's been really bad. Anybody ever experienced this kind of thing in life, right? We have, and so, and we, we're trying, what do we do? How do I deal with this? Do I just turn and walk away or do I engage this? Do I put my foot down or do I, I'm sorry, what do I do? Well, what you don't do 
is trust in yourself and your own ideas. You gotta get into God's word. Humble yourself before God, you start there. Say, God, what do you say about this? And the first thing he says, well, good, you're humble because I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. Not only be humble for me, God says, but be humble in this relationship. Make it be about you, don't make it, make it be about how can I help here. Soft answer turns away wrath. Love those who hate you, right? Do good to them. On and on it goes, and so we're looking and learning from God's word, and then, so I've made a decision to trust him, I'm not leaning on my own understanding, I've gone to get God's understanding, then I walk into this situation, and as best I can, I bring that into this. And I say, oh God, you know, and I respond those ways and I do the best I can. Now, here's the nice thing. When you get to this place, the other's person response is no longer the most important thing to you. Because I guarantee you that if you come in this situation, how this person responds, this person's gonna yell at me, this person's gonna throw something at me, this person is gonna leave, whatever, and I'm governed by that, I'm just, ah, ah, right? Oh, I'm trying to, ah, ah, ah. Instead of I come in and I say, okay, all right, God, here's your way. I'm going to speak the truth in love. And then I'm going to trust because what's the promise? That if I will live God's way, he will what? He'll direct my life. And so whether this person comes toward me or this person walks away from me or whatever, I'm free. I can trust God because he is directing my life. How freeing is that? This works in real life. Apply it to the other situation. You have a life to think through it. What does this mean? To you know, bring what we know about God and his truth into the situation and trust God and you just make all the difference in the world. I have never regretted a decision to trust God. And I've regretted a lot of things when I didn't. You will never regret a decision to trust God instead of leaning on your own understanding. You will never regret a sincere attempt to acknowledge him in all your ways because he will direct your paths. Now, interesting thing here. This is a huge way to approach life, isn't it? And this is a big life worldview kind of thing. Here in the book of Proverbs, the very next thing that the scriptures talk about, want to guess what it is? Money, the very next thing. Because money is such a huge part of our lives. So let's just read through quickly here, verse nine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Okay, honor the Lord with your possessions. If we've been really working through the things we talked about the last several weeks, we ought to be you know, doing okay here because Jesus said if you're gonna follow me, you have to do what with all your possessions? You have to forsake them. I've already given these to God. Okay, they're his to be used to. And this he says, honor me with them. Okay, I'm going to honor you with this. I'm going to use these for your purposes, whatever you show me. And then he says, and with the first fruits of all your increase. So not only with what you already have, but what with God gives extra to you when he gives you more. And the picture here, this is, a, this is an agricultural society, so they would you know, raise crops. And, and this idea of the first fruits was when the crops first came in and the first 
crops that came, you know, bore fruit and came to maturity, that you took that and you gave it to God. And you gave that to God, not knowing if this afternoon the locusts were showing up. You gave it to God, not knowing if it was going to be a frost overnight and kill the stuff. You gave it to God, not knowing. You gave to God first out of whatever he gives to you. And for us, we, most of that's not fruit and vegetables. For most of that's money, right? And a paycheck that we get. And to, to honor God by giving to him first before we know about the rest. And so when it comes to your money, well, before I say that, that does not come natural to you. If you lean on your own understanding, what makes sense to you, you will not give to God first before you know if you have enough for the rest. That wouldn't be natural. That is the result of learning to trust him and not depending on your own understanding. You see that? All right. Who knows better about stuff, you or God? You know, me or God? Easy answer. So why in the world, when it comes to your money, would you trust anything else besides God? So when it comes to your money, trust God, not yourself. When it comes to your money, uh, live God's way and he'll direct your life. And let's look what happens here, verse 10. That is, if we'll live this way, giving away, trusting to give away before we know if we're going to have enough, he says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I will provide you what you need. In fact, I'll provide you more than you need. You trust me. Does God know what he's doing? Yeah. So when it comes to your money. But I got a bigger question for you. When it comes to your life, why would you trust anybody besides God? So when it comes to your life, your whole life, Trust God, not yourself. Live God's way. He'll direct your life. And getting this right in money will help you with your life. Because money's connected. Getting this right in your life will help you with your money. Father, thank you for the truth of your word and that you are entirely, perfectly trustworthy. Lord, drive this down in our hearts and minds as we go from here today, not to trust in ourselves, but in you. Help us to, to be about the business of, it, of living your way, knowing what that is, and living your way, and trusting you that you're going to get us where we need to be. Lord, speak to us about how this looks in our personal lives, each of us individually here. And I pray we would honor you by choosing to trust you. I pray in Jesus' name.